You're listening to the Taking Back Slut podcast, giving you talks, tools, and tips on relationships and sexuality so you can be the safest, sexiest slut possible. In this episode, I talked to Sarah Wilson, who is a teacher who is currently doing her master's in school counseling. It is very apparent that Sarah has done her homework when it comes to communication. We delve into trauma as well as how to support people who are going through identity changes, uh, as well as just communication strategies in relationships. So I hope you enjoy this episode and hopefully it gives you some tools that you can use so that you can communicate better with the ones that you love the most. Hello. Hi. Hi. So today, everybody, I have my friend Sarah. I mean, we are more acquaintances than friends. We actually haven't like hung out one on one before. I know. But she's like someone that I admire on the social medias. We follow each other's stuff. We've kind of just been like looking at each other from afar for the last <laughs> few years <laughs> watching each other grow exactly yeah <laughs> but um sarah is a self self-proclaimed people nerd and she's currently working on her master's in school counseling she's a, a vocal advocate for the lgbtq2sia plus youth as well as uh, trans youth and uh, yeah, she's hoping to um, specialize in supporting children and youth who have experienced trauma in the future. So today we're going to talk to Sarah a bit about communication and strategies around that, which I think is super important, like not only in romantic relationships, but in all of our relationships, our friendships and our family relationships. Uh, so I'm really stoked to be talking about all that with you. Thanks. I'm super stoked to be here. I'm yeah. really excited. <laughs> I get to be a nerd. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> right? I feel like I just like hang out and talk to nerds all day. It's pretty yeah. much the best life ever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to jump right in because communication is kind of a big one. It's like a word that gets mm. thrown around a lot. And I feel like it's almost become this mantra that doesn't really have a specific meaning anymore. It's this mm. like relationship thing that people are like, well, you have to have good communication. Like, are you communicating well? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's kind of empty at this point because I don't think that people necessarily understand what that looks like. Mm. So I guess off the top, I'd just ask, what do you think like a healthy communicative relationship looks like? Oh man, starting with the big questions. <laughs> Why not? Let's do Why it. Why not? Let's dive right in. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. It is it is one of those things where, you know, you hear people say, "Oh, you got to have you got to have communication. Make sure you're communicating." But then they don't really talk to you about like how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you have good communication? Um, I found kind of for me personally and um for friendships I have for relationships I have um the best place to start is kind of in a place of knowing yourself first because you can't really go about communicating to other people unless you really are trying to understand what's going on with you first so that's kind of the first step I would say if you're like wanting to have better communication with others is like spend some time with yourself Mm -hmm. and noticing your own triggers, noticing like, oh, I'm feeling X, Y, or Z in this moment. I wonder what's going on. And then doing some sleuthing. Right. So if you're 
like what are some strategies really to do that like especially if you're in a moment where Mm -hmm. maybe you're feeling a lot of emotions um do you find like is there anything that someone can do to kind of like stop take a moment like what what is to kind of break down what their emotions are and what they're feeling so that they can communicate them Mm, that's good breathing and space are usually my (laughs) go-to um because I I don't know how this is with other people because um, I only really feel my emotions. Um, <laughs> but I know it's a strange thing, but it's true. Um, I find that uh, I feel things really big. Mm-hmm. Like my emotions get really, really big and they tend to get really, really big really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it super overwhelming sometimes, um, especially if I'm caught off guard by it. If it's something that like I have no idea where it's coming from. Um, so usually the first thing that happens, which is not necessarily the most healthy, but it's my own defense mechanism as I tend to shut down. Right. Um, cause those big emotions, they overwhelm me. And then I kick into like a fear response of like, Oh, if I show these big emotions, this person's going to leave me. Um, this terrible thing is going to happen. I'm going to yeah. be embarrassed. I'm going to feel shame. Like all that kind of stuff, um, starts to snowball. So I find it's, I've now been able to develop uh, the ability to, when I notice I'm feeling overwhelmed, um, like either say to the other person, I don't know what's going on right now. I need to take a breath or I need to take some space. I need to just go to the other room or take a walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually that's kind of the first step is like breathing. Breathing is really good. It's like trying to connect with your breath and get back into your body and all that fun stuff yeah it's it's funny because I'm actually the opposite but I use the same technique so I don't Mm. feel the big emotions Mm -hmm. I I like I I actually envy people that do feel the big emotions my (laughs) my partner is someone who feels big emotions yeah and I love watching him like experience joy and like Mm. and and react to things and I like have so much joy of watching him do that because I don't I don't tend to have those big emotions they I I have like I guess a bit, a bit more rational brain, but my problem is that I can't express those emotions or I don't mm. realize that I'm having them when I'm having them. And it takes me time to actually figure out the feelings that I'm having. Mm. So I act, but I use the same technique as I need space and I need breathing and I go and like have a moment and I really suss out if I'm feeling emotions and where they're coming from. Mm. So I feel like the strategy works in both ways. But yeah, for different totally. people in the way that they kind of experience emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing also to um, make note of right now is that like the way that you experience emotions, the way that I experience emotions, the way that other people experience emotions, it's all okay. Like it's yeah, all totally, totally normal. Valid, totally, totally valid, normal. totally normal. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if it takes you like 10 days to figure out what that one thing was that you have no idea you didn't even know that it was like a weird emotion that came up Mm -hmm. um that's okay like that's okay that's totally fine and you can go back (laughs) yeah you can talk to people about what happened you know I mean yeah that's that's the strategy that that Sean my partner and I actually have is that Mm. because he's a big emotion feeler and I'm a not so big emotion feeler we have 
sometimes troubles with when we Mm. need to communicate things because I need to go away and think about it and kind of suss out how I actually feel. And he's already having the feelings and wants to (laughs) work it out then and there. So early on in our relationship, we kind of realized that we needed to kind of find a middle ground Mm. where I have to express that I don't know how I feel and like talk to him about that because I used to shut down and not even express that I didn't know how I was feeling. So Mm. now I am able to express and be like, hey, I don't know how I feel about any of this. I know you want to talk, but I'm just not there yet. And I need to go away and we talk about this later. Then I can come back as a rational human and actually have a discussion with you. That's awesome. That's so great. But that obviously took a lot of time to kind of figure out where that was and what worked for us. Um, But yeah. yeah. That's it. Do you have any like strategies or anything that you would say that works in a relationship that's kind of like on that ground? Um, I think, well, I think what you bring up is, is really key is like, I mean, everybody's going to be different. So a new relationship means new communication strategies and skills and right. um, figuring out how you both work together uh, in a completely different way and a new way. And that takes a lot of trial and error, like you mm-hmm. said, right? Um, I think... I think, like, if it's someone who's important to you, I think it's really important to say that. Like, I think communicating the desire from both parties to, you know what, this might be really hard right now. Mm -hmm. We're having a hard time figuring out uh, what's going on, how we're both working together. But, like, I'm committed to figuring this out. Like, I think saying that out loud goes a long way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, what about someone who maybe is with someone who isn't communicative or like mm. that's not something that they're good at? Because uh, I think that that's like that's a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It's it's hard. It's communication is not an easy thing. And, you know, you can spend your whole life learning and still not ever be an expert at it like it's I don't know if there's anyone who's no I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's still stuff that like comes up that I'm like completely side blinded by Mm -hmm. all the time um yeah when it's someone who is at a different it's hard to say like I don't want to like say like one person is better at communication than another I think it's like different levels yeah of course yeah just in a different place exactly and someone's had more practice with like um communicating in a relationship that happens a lot um like especially if you get someone who's you know never really been in long-term relationships Mm -hmm. their first long-term relationship like that's it's a lot. It's a lot. It takes yeah. <laughs> a lot of practice. And I think it's understanding, like coming at it from a place of understanding. Mm-hmm. So knowing that this is where this person is um, and understanding the reasons behind it. I think it's totally up to you to discern, okay, this person is at a different like level of communication than I am. Is this something that we can work through together? Um, if you're seeing like effort on the other uh, person's part to get better and to practice those skills, um, it's totally up to you, like whether or not that's someone you can jive with, right? Right. Like, of course. And patience, and um, I think modeling the behavior is really yeah, helpful. Absolutely. So, like, if you have really good skills 
that you've already like realized about yourself, like the strategies we've already talked about, like mentioning them to the other person, actually doing those things so they can see that that's how you're um, practicing that communication. And so then they can kind of also feel safe to Mm -hmm. exercise those skills themselves because I think it's a huge vulnerability thing as well. And the safer we feel, yeah, the safer, the more likely we are to practice those skills. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What if like that person, what if we need to support them through someone whom like maybe have, has experienced trauma in their life? Mm. So like not maybe pushing them to communicate, but how Mm -hmm. can we support that so that communication can grow from that? That's a great question. Um, I think, I think patience is big, Mm -hmm. is huge. And a big thing with trauma anyone who um, has experienced trauma is trauma is something that it makes you, it puts you in a position where you're out of control. So you don't have any kind of control in the situation. You don't have any kind of control or predictability for like when these traumatic experiences are happening and that's what makes them so traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, So a huge thing to remember with anyone who's experienced trauma is exactly what you said is not pushing them. Right. Um, so saying, look, you have the control in this situation. You can decide when, where, and if you want to talk about this, when, where, if you are ready to engage with anything that's going on, like you, they've got to have the control. Otherwise it's just going to end up being re-traumatizing basically. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. Cause I, I think that like especially people who like there have there is a lot of trauma in this world right now people Mm -hmm. who have had like big traumas in their life people who have just had little traumas over a long period of time Mm -hmm. and I think that communicating those traumas has has really come to the surface in the last little while being able to and that talking is a good idea Mm -hmm. in in that space which is great but I think that it puts their partners and their family and their friends in a position where maybe they don't know how to fully support that. And I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, it, as you said, it has a lot to do with just kind of putting the ball in their court mm-hmm. and waiting until they're ready to mm-hmm. bring that up and really just being there as a pillar. Right. Yeah. Or even just like, you also want to be really careful because um, what one thing they're starting to notice more and more is actually to able to to be able to process trauma you don't necessarily have to talk about the actual trauma itself interesting Mm -hmm. um in fact that's where a lot of therapies are going now is um away from kind of like this talk this idea of like talk therapy yeah of like um we're gonna sit down and we're gonna hash out all the details of the traumatic event that you went through (laughs) um which sounds absolutely (laughs) and like it's not fun at all um so what they're starting to notice is that you can actually start to build um again that control like you have the control if you want to talk about that stuff you can that's Mm -hmm. up to you um but it's more about like training your brain um out of that fight or flight response for certain things certain triggers so noticing what the triggers are and then being able to slowly practice being in safe environments where you're experiencing, um, like, those things that remind you of the trauma. Yeah. That's Again, really interesting. your control, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I think I'm even I I wasn't aware of that, but that's talk therapy's kind of been the thing for the last mm-hmm. <laughs> forever, essentially, since the seventies when that became a huge psychiatric explosion. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you're reliving it every time you talk about it. And exactly. It's like slowly kind of building that trauma back up again. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing too, I just want to say, like, I'm obviously very biased, um, <laughs> on this one, but like, if you have trauma, um, that you know about that you want help, like processing the best person to help you with that is a therapist or a counselor. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 If that's, and it's not, you can't kind of put that on, on your partner and no. that's like, they're not going to have the tools that you need. So mm-hmm seeking out professional help is the best way to go on that. And I I think it's also worth noting that the people who are our partners or our family members uh, or friends of people who experience trauma, if you Mm. are being that pillar for them, Mm. I think it's important to remember when somebody else needs a lot of emotional labor, that that's okay. And it's good to support them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to remember your own emotional needs as well. Cause I think that can get lost sometimes. Um, that you that you stop you, you can still ask for things that you need in the relationship too you can like remember that as much as you want to support that person and be a pillar of strength for them that at the same time you also have emotional needs that you need to look into <laughs> absolutely it's like the like the air mask on airplanes right yeah. like that whole idea exactly you put your own on first before you help other people put theirs on um because, yeah, how can you help support others if you're completely depleted yourself? Exactly. And I think yeah. sometimes it's hard to know. You can get so lost in the idea of helping somebody else that you don't even realize that you are depleting yourself emotionally and energetically. Um, so, yeah, if you if you do have someone like that in your life, make sure that you are also taking care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's there's great – there's so much information online now. Um like vicarious trauma is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Burnout is a real thing. So um, like compassion fatigue, uh, it's really good to like check in. If you've got someone in your life um, who has experienced trauma, who you're being um, a supportive person for them, uh, you can always go online and you can check like, what are the signs of I'm getting compassion fatigue? What are signs of vicarious trauma? Um, And there's a lot of, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, Some key things are things like um, you're noticing you're starting to disengage from anything that's more difficult or mm-hmm. heavy. So if you're noticing um, on your social media feed that you tend to, the second you see something like really awful happening in the world, you just kind of numb yourself and you shut it off and you disengage from it. That's probably a sign um, that you're needing a little bit of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, if your sleep is not great, if you're finding that you're irritable um, more often than you usually are, like those are also big signs. Um, so just keeping tabs on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those are awesome resources. Mm -hmm. Um, so what about if somebody's like, you have a relationship with someone who is, um, transitioning or finding their identity in a new way, what Mm. are some ways that we can support them? Oh, that's a great question. Um, asking, well, okay. So, (laughs) Uh, before we go into asking, because asking, I think, should be, like, done 
maybe after you've gone and done research on your own. Like, I think it's really, really important. Um, something that happens a lot for people in the trans community is that they end up not only having to go through this themselves, but then they also um, have to do a lot of emotional labor and a lot of educating um, for people mm -hmm. in their lives, which is really exhausting. Yeah. So I think um, a huge, huge way that you can be supportive is actually doing, like taking the time to do that work yourself. Um, respecting pronouns is like, obviously like kind of mm -hmm. a really, it's a really big deal. Um, and like practicing that when they're not around yeah, so that you get better at it so that you're less likely to misgender them um, in front of them. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think people can get overwhelmed too because mm -hmm. they get, they're afraid to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. Mm. So maybe they throw it out the window altogether. And yeah. And obviously that's not like the ideal situation, but I think that it uh, usually comes from a place of worrying that they're going to offend somebody or they're going to mm. look stupid or embarrass themselves. Yeah. And I think the best advice that I've gotten, um, a really amazing, if anyone has um, the chance, oh, they're in Victoria. They're not in Vancouver. That's okay. Um, there's an amazing company um, here in Victoria that's called Ambit Gender Diversity. Um, they go around and they basically help train organizations on how to be more inclusive for trans, non-binary and two-spirit people. It's, yeah, they're absolutely phenomenal. Um, and uh, one thing um, that they said when that kind of idea comes up of that fear of saying the wrong thing, that fear of using the wrong name or the wrong pronoun or messing up in some way, um, the best advice I got from them was, you're going to mess up. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's okay. Mm -hmm. What's important is that you're trying. You're trying um, and you're making progress. Um, and you're putting in the work and you're putting in the time. Uh, it's also like, so that fear can, like you say, kind of seize people up. So I think once you let go of the idea of like, what if I mess up and mm -hmm. kind of embrace, like, I'm going to, you're probably yeah. <laughs> going to, it's okay. Like you can move through it. They can move through it. Um, like just treat the situation with compassion and love. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best kind of approach and I hope kind of mitigates some of that fear mm -hmm. response. Yeah. And so if you do mess up, if you're talking to someone, mm -hmm. um, what is the best way to kind of navigate that? Do you apologize? Do you just switch the, the pronoun and keep going? What is the best? Uh, yeah. The best tactic is not to make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. um, because once, if you start to do that, if you start to go, Oh, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm such an awful person. Like, I'm so like, I can't believe I did that. Like, and you make a really big thing out of it. You're kind of putting um, the person in a position of having to make console you, feel you and yeah. make you feel better, <laughs> um, which is, I know not the intention, but that usually is what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. um, so the best thing to do is correct yourself, quickly apologize and move on. And um, yeah. If they say things like, oh, it's okay, you know, well, it's not okay, but, you know, I appreciate that you said that. Um, I'm going to do better and, like, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, quick, quick, and, quick and easy. Quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so getting back to kind of how we can support people as they are kind of going through a transition mm. or as they're discovering their an identity that maybe they weren't 100% aware of before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a good thing, a really good thing. And the, uh, the thing you really do need to ask the person about is who are they out to? So who right. have they told um, about their transition? Who have they told that they're trans? With who have they shared their pronouns, their name, if that's changed, all that kind of stuff. Um, because you really don't want to be putting yourself in a position of outing somebody without Absolutely. their consent. Absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. great advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so double-checking, like, I'm uh, I'm a teacher in a middle school, and that's actually written into um, our district's policies and procedures, is we are not allowed to disclose gender identity information to anybody without the student's consent. Mm -hmm. um, that's including parents. That's yeah. including other kids in the class. Like, so it's what I always do um, when I'm wording, like an ask for pronouns, I word it as what pronouns do you want me to use? Mm -hmm. Because then it's about, okay, what pronouns are safe for you um, to have me use in this situation? Right. Yeah, yeah. In case maybe someone is around that they don't really want them to know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so do you find that the support for young people is different than supporting maybe people who are later in their journey? Um, so does the support differ? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't know if it does or not. But. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting question. Um, I have not really found, I mean, the strategies usually tend to be the same. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's all really kind of you're taking your lead off of off of that person and yeah. how you can best support them um yeah I don't really see much of a difference um what youth. kind of um sorry no it's <laughs> fine yeah, yeah, yeah but what kind of strategies could we kind of pass on to to the youth and to the kids um so that they're kind of prepared for the future in terms of like communicating and like safely um you know i guess like navigating conflict and mm. like safely supporting one another <clears throat> like what are some of the things that you are trying to pass on as a teacher um i think it, it's interesting because like a lot of the stuff that i pass on is not really like i learned so much from them to be honest like and how to support them like mm -hmm. a lot of it kind of comes from them and i actually find that they tend to be a lot more accepting and open and flexible um, than, you know, a lot of adults right. in the community. Because it's the things that were put on us. Yeah, exactly. In society. Like, we've grown up with that gender binary for so much longer than they have. Mm -hmm. and so they're, they're a lot more flexible and they get it pretty quick. Um, I think it, it's interesting too, because like, I don't identify as trans I'm gender fluid but I, I don't identify as trans so mm -hmm. for me to say well these are this is the advice that I'm giving to kids like I um I'm wary and of not just for trans either, yeah like just like yeah, yeah, even yeah. like support or communication strategies uh, too okay um okay first I'm going to talk about trans youth and then we'll go to communication <laughs> <laughs> um so for any for trans kids like I what I do is I just try and find like resources for them and help them with the resources. I try and find um, uh, like community supports for them. Mm -hmm. So if we can get them connected with other 
uh, trans and queer youth, like that peer support and that community is so, so incredibly healing and beneficial. Absolutely. Do you have any like off the top of your head that you could shout out? Um, we've got a lot of like drop-in centers here in Victoria. Um, I don't have like all my information in front of me. You can send me links and I'll drop them in the bio. Cool. That would be great. Yeah, I can totally do that. Um, and in terms of communication, um, like advice for kids, it's, it's tricky because I teach middle school and like communication is complicated Mm -hmm. when you're going through puberty. Like it's... It's hard. Um, I think <laughs> I vaguely remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hard time because a lot. It's interesting too because like a lot of the times you can't like because of social norms and expectations, you can't be like super blunt with like some things. Right, like yeah. there's there's certain like social groups where it's not as cool to talk about your feelings or it's not as cool to like say the things that you want to say but I think I tr- I try to kind of help them find a way to communicate what's true for them in a way that makes it f- still feel safe like within the social sh- social structures mm-hmm. that they're working with so rather than me as a teacher go well you should say this to this person because this is how I as the adult would say it to someone in my life right like that's not going to be super helpful it's like helping them find a way like well what do you what is it that you want to communicate how can you communicate that to this person in a way that works for you yeah 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 because there's still a lot of cool status going on Mm. at that point yeah (laughs) yeah and it's interesting like you know you hear like I've heard kids talk about how you know when adults tell them oh don't worry about fashion like it's not a big deal but to them like that's the most important that's everything Mm -hmm. that's status that's like you know who you're friends with all I remember when I was in high school and I had like the sickest coat like if I had this coat today I would rock it every (laughs) single day it was like this like old 70s looking brown suede with like a full like sheepskin collar oh wow and I wore it to school and I just got just murdered like ridiculed for it all day long and I never wore it again obviously but it was (laughs) it was dope but like but it it does matter because it emotionally affected me and it like changed how I felt probably for Mm -hmm. that entire year like I was very insecure and had to think about what I was wearing and like Mm -hmm. it's it's a full thing like people people always think that they're being over dramatic or that they're too emotional or put too much weight on things that don't matter but Mm -hmm. that's that's your microcosm like that's your world and you have to live in it and you have to make it through for the next five years yeah and if you think about it as like you know the teenage brain the adolescent brain preteen brain um is basically telling them like that's the time in any animal's life when uh they have to kind of insert themselves into the social hierarchy somehow and find out like where they are and you know kind of how the pecking order is i know mm-hmm. that sounds very blunt but like that's kind of what their brains are doing and that's why at that age kids start caring more about what their peers say rather than what their parents say mm-hmm. right yeah um so it is like it's it's very much life and death yeah I, point. I remember the feeling yeah. of life and death. So it's, it's really hard to tell kids that, you know, it gets better and that that whole campaign, mm-hmm. like I understand how important that campaign is, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's hard to see beyond 
that world because it is so wrapped up in emotion and like hormones and there's it's big feelings it's feelings bigger than you will ever feel them for the rest oh, of your yeah. life for sure yeah <laughs> it's huge yeah do, do you think there's like a way I don't know how do you how can you make kids understand I guess not make them but lead them to understand that there's something beyond do you think that that's possible Mm -hmm. or do you think you just kind of have to give into the fact that they this is their big world and that maybe just support them in that journey as they're going through it yeah I think the second that you start saying well you know two years from now you're not even going to care what Billy thinks of Mm -hmm. your new haircut um that's the second you start kind of talking focusing on that you're going to lose them yeah um because then they're going to feel like you don't see them they're not validated like all of that stuff um so i think it's really key i think you can kind of focus on what's going on for them in the moment while pulling like i'm a very strengths based um person in general so I try and find like the hope in a situation Mm -hmm. as much as possible so like helping them see those glimmers of hope helping them see um like what they've got going on right now that's really amazing what makes them like a a great human being um because often kids they have a hard time well anybody has a really hard time like seeing that for yourself rather than at least it was easier to see um, yeah. the good in other people than it is to see the good in yourself. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I want kind of want to veer back to like a mm. more adult relationships and communication in that as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about like conflict and mm. dealing. I think that there's a lot of people that have to deal with that, especially with the world being so like politically divided as it is at the moment. Mm. Yep. So what would you suggest to someone who maybe doesn't like a hundred percent agree with everything that their partner or their friends or their family members, um, they, they're not like on the same page in some mm. way, not just politically, but in anything you can like bring it open a little bit, but mm-hmm. what are some ways that you can kind of open communication with them, but also still feel like you're in, in integrity with yourself and your beliefs? That's a great question. Um, I think, uh, one of the best piece of, pieces of advice I ever got um, was from this amazing human uh, called Tennille Gieb, um, G-E-I-B. Uh, they're basically like a lover of humans and uh, sexual intimacy coach. Um, they told, Tennille told me that one of the best strategies for communicating in a disagreement or an argument is to talk about it when you're not mad. Like when you're not in that place of anger and like heated emotion um, and talk about like, talk about it in a way of like, okay, what happened? Let's figure out like what was going on for you. Let's figure out what was going on for me. Let's figure out what worked. Let's figure out what didn't work. And like talking about it in a place where you're both going to be able to not get riled up emotionally. Um, And then you can kind of start to, because it's so hard to talk about that kind of stuff, like when you're in the moment, Mm -hmm. like in a, in a rational way, like it's near impossible when you're, um, when you're triggered emotionally. So it's like talking about that. Okay. When you say this, it makes me feel this. Um, so like maybe next time, 
uh, when we're in this situation, uh, like if you did X, Y, or Z, that would help me X, Y, or Z, you know? Right. And using that kind of structure to have Mm -hmm. the conversation. Because I think even even if you are calm, you could even get emotionally Mm. invested while you're talking about it as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, making it really clear that okay we're not talking we're not like bringing up this argument we're not hashing this argument out we're talking about how we both argue and the mechanisms of like what happens when we have a disagreement um and figuring out like how we can help support each other in that moment and what are some strategies we can maybe like have or some like safety nets we can have what are some things that i can do what are some things that you can do to kind of help us get through like an argument or a disagreement because that's bound to happen in any relationship right Mm -hmm. yeah and that that would be like that's under the conflict conflict resolution kind of category Mm. yeah um is there any other resources that people can use to kind of work through fights because we all have fights every Mm -hmm. now and then especially Mm -hmm. with the people that we love the most (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so in with like a romantic partner Mm -hmm. as those come up what would you suggest to kind of work through them as they come up, I think, well, things that we've talked about already is like breathing in space is a mm-hmm. really good tool. Yeah. Um, but like also communicating. So something that me and my partner have done um, is saying, like making it really clear to the, each other that like, okay, if we need to take some space, um, one thing that he's expressed to me is that what he really needs is like, if I need to leave to the other room or if I can't talk to him right now, I got to say like, I love you. But right now I got to go take some space or, you know, don't like, we're okay. We're still good. Um, I'm going to go over here to figure out my own thing and to take some space from this. Mm -hmm. But like, we're still good in the relationship. Like, so taking the time to communicate, there's still this connection. There's still this commitment to like working through this. Some space needs to be taken right now though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that idea that, because I think that there's still a lot of people in this world who think that if you're in a good relationship, there won't be any disagreements. Mm. So there's almost the opposite problem too, where people just don't communicate their, any of their negativity in a relationship Mm. because they feel as though that means their relationship is broken or they're having issues in some way. Mm -hmm. A way that I like to look at it is like, if there's something that I'm doing um, that's upsetting you or that's bothering you or hurting you, like for you to come and tell me about that is actually more of a communication of an appreciation and a love and a connection with me than it is if you weren't to say anything at all because if you're coming to me and you're telling me hey you did this thing like that's a hard conversation Mm -hmm. to have it's uncomfortable it's messy Um, but if you're willing to have that hard conversation with me and like go through all of those um, more painful feelings then that to me communicates that like, okay, you think I'm worth having that hard conversation. Yeah. That's, that's some love right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, well, I have, um, like, I think, I think I'm like cool on questions actually. I, cool. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was, this was like jam packed. I know. (laughs) We talked about so much. We got deep, quick, 
and yeah. we stayed there. Oh, it was great. <laughs> I had so much fun. Yeah, this was lovely. Um, so I will drop some resources. I'll get some resources from Sarah and uh, drop those into the bio. So you can check that out if you want any kind of resources for um, strategies for uh, like communication. I'll drop the, the person that you mentioned, Tanil as well in there and then mm. we'll also drop some um like trends and uh like queer identity uh stuff in there as well if you want to check out some resources in that area i can also give you some resources on trauma if anybody wants to read awesome. more yes that's yeah. awesome so check the bio for those links as well uh if you want to follow sarah on instagram her handle mm. is <laughs> t-i-c-h-s Wilson. So that's Titch S. Wilson. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was a great little combo. Thank you for listening to the Taking Back Slut podcast with Jennifer Doan. To learn more about me, you can check out my website, jenniferdoanconsulting.com. Or for rants and unapologetic nudes, follow me on Instagram at J-E-N-N underscore D-O-A-N.